0: Hello Living Word family, we are glad that you've joined us on YouTube. We want you to be a part of this message that touches your life every day. So on behalf of Pastor Pierre, my wife and I, we are glad that you're engaged. We want you to subscribe because there's so many messages on here that you could listen to on your leisure. We are glad that we are able to serve you. We also want you to go to our website. When you go to our website, you will find a lot more information, even the sermon outlines. And also, you can provide an opportunity for you to see a list of our materials, books that you can look at that meets your need. And you could share with our family members or friends. We could also give. As you give to Living Word, you know us. When you go to our website and you do that, we use those funds to serve the agenda of God for the glory of God. And that allows us to serve you effectively. So we're glad you're here with us. Subscribe, be a part of this. And I pray you join us again and keep involved as God so leads you so that we grow through these times and are coming out of it better than we went in. Thanks for allowing us to serve you. We pray so we can dive right into the word of God.
1: Dearly Father, we are excited because you're going to speak, not me, your word. So whatever we do, My prayer is that you speak so clear to your people that they don't even recognize me. That I am invisible to them, but your word is extremely visible. That even when we talk about what you have structured, put together, that all of us as a family unit will be stronger when we leave because of your words. So that I'm excited about this, no matter how challenging it may be. I know that this word is not easy to preach, but if I know that if you preach it, it will be clear as day. So, God, we love you and we want to say thank you for who you are to your people. Let me get out of the way so you are seen and painted beautifully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. There's no easy way to transition from a song so beautiful. But before we even dive in, I want to say something because I realize that this sermon could get a little bit controversial. And the only reason it gets controversial is because when we talk about a male and a female, when we talk about marriage, when we talk about family, because of how distorted it has been, the world has chosen to respond by picking and choosing sides. Okay? So just bear with me. So now you have a feminist movement. You've had male chauvinistic people. You've had men abuse their privilege and power and rule. And you had women who've had to respond to the misuse and abuse. And now you have the distorted view of what God created in purity. So even though I'm fixing to preach the purity of the message, my prayer is that you'll see the original. You will not question God. This is what, I don't know why our world does this. You won't question God's creation. You'll question the world's distortion. So before I even get into the Word, I know that many of you are like, I don't believe this. I don't go by this no more. And it's only because the world has messed it up so bad it's not because God's creation is bad. So before we dive in, please purify your hearts. You're going to need to, because some things you're going to see and hear, you're going to be like, well, that's just a male's point of view. That's what it was in the old times, but that's what the world has told you and how to respond to the purity of his creation. How do I prove that? I'm going to go to something original, something that you've never heard before, and you're going to know how well I can cook by what I'm fixing to say. Let me tell you something. (laughs) Let me tell you something real quick. See, we have all these fancy people that have added a lot of ingredients. How do I know this? We were at a restaurant the other day spending time with my family, and my wife and I, I took her on a date, and this guy was like, would you like truffles? Now, I'm not going to tell you all the details of truffle. they have to sniff them out with a dog, it's a mushroom that grows underground, and it costs a lot of money just for them to shred a little piece on your pasta. (laughs) I don't need all that. I just need a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now I don't know how many of y'all enjoy a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, there's only a couple ways to do a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now who in here eats peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Okay, praise the Lord. Who in here does not eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? You are dismissed. So, like, (laughs) how do I know this? Because peanut butter and jelly goes good together. Yeah, it's the cheapest meal you can create, but it's very filling, and there's certain ways to do it. But I'm going to prove a point in like two seconds that peanut butter and jelly, you didn't create it. It was passed down from generation to generation. You didn't even know it went well together until they put out the peanut butter jelly time. That's all we knew. No other meal gets a song. No other meal gets a song but peanut butter and jelly because it goes good together. But it don't taste good separate. And it don't taste good if you do it by yourself. And it definitely don't taste good without bread. All the ingredients got to go together in order for it to match up. Ladies, gentlemen, that's exactly what marriage is. Some of us think we could function with only peanut butter. Not forgetting that jelly goes well with it. And it's not until you put it together do you have what fills your soul. It's not until you put a peanut butter and jelly together. But the only thing that makes that thing filling is if God is on top of it. So God is the bread today. We're going to talk about how to put together a marriage together again. Some of us have thought, to God, I'm going to be okay with just my peanut butter. I'm going to be okay with just my jelly. And today I want to prove to you that it always goes good so you can have your peanut butter jelly time. And right here in Genesis, you're going to go to the original peanut butter and jelly. You didn't create this though. And I want to lay this out for you because you're going to start to realize you ain't all that you thought you was. Now, I'm going to offend some people, but I'm also going to preach it. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 21, it says, so the Lord, watch these words, caused. So before you even dive into the text, I want you to see who's in control, who's in the kitchen, and who was the one putting it together. If you go up a couple passages, Adam was by himself. He realized that he needed a partner, a helper. If you haven't heard that message, go back a couple of weeks. We just finished preaching that. So when God recognized that he was going to create a helper, what did he do? He said, you know what? I'm going to cause something. I'm going to cause a deep sleep to be upon the man. Now, before you even get excited about that passage, many of us would appreciate a deep sleep. But the first thing you're going to recognize is that is a divine cause sleep. Adam wasn't sleeping. I just want to make sure you're like, Pierre, this is the simplest message ever. I just want you to understand, Adam wasn't sleep on his own. It's not like he was napping and then God was like, oopsie, let me take the rib real quick. He said, I'm going to do something that you can't observe and I'm going to do something that you can't explain. Now, you're going to be like, Pierre, why is this so important? It's because sometimes we get to a point where we think we can cause something. Many of us are in your marriages right now thinking you can cause something. But it's not what God created. God is the only one who ordained, stopped it, slept it, and then created something out of a rib. So before you even dive deep, it says he caused the deep sleep. Not only is it divine, it wasn't up to a human. You can't distort what God created. But what is God good at? What is Satan good at? What is this world good at? They will take what only God can do and then morph it. They will take what only God can do and they'll change it. But God is saying, I'm the only one who did it. Nobody else can do what I did. Take somebody else and let you make a rib out of it. Some of us can't even bake a rib, cook a rib. Some of us can't even grill a rib. But God is saying, I'm the only one who can cause sleep. Put them down. But that's the other thing, men, and I'm going to say this very nicely. You didn't do nothing. And I pray this sticks a little bit is that you notice the men didn't create a woman? You didn't create her, so why are you still trying to change her? You, you, you didn't cause nothing. You, you, didn't get to, you didn't step out of it. It, was, it wasn't even under your observation. God said, I know what you need, so you go to sleep. Now, I wish I could preach that a totally different way, because some of us are trying to wake up on God, get out of our anesthesia and say, I would do it different. Some of us are still looking at our wives right now and saying, You sure, God? You sure that's the rib? You weren't saying that when you got married. What I'm trying to get you to understand is God is saying, If I created it and I made it, then I know what I needed. You needed. You didn't have no participation, so why do you think you're participating now? Fellas, stop trying to change something God made. You're wasting your time. Because if God made it, then He can change it. And if God wanted to change it, then He would have. So therefore, it's not up to you. It was divine, it wasn't man-made, and it was initiated by God. It was nothing you could do about what he said when he made a partner. But then he says something else. He says, watch these words, the Lord caused caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. He didn't have a choice. Man was out, and he took. You notice these words? Is he asking permission? You didn't get to choose if you had one less rib, fellas. He took it. That's why we be struggling. I think that's why I don't have a six-pack because he took something. (laughs) He didn't ask permission. He said, hey, and he slept. He took the rib, but watch what he said, and closed up the flesh at that place. I want you to realize that God is doing a surgical procedure Before doctors even came along, God knew exactly what He was doing, opened up the flesh, plucked out the rib. But what did He do? He finished it. This is what I love about God. When He's done, He completes it. It wasn't an open flesh wound. He said, I'm done. I know what I needed. Out of the man, let me grab it. And then He gives you purpose of why He used the rib. But before we go there, then He says another word, ladies, you're going to appreciate this. Enclose the flesh of this place. The Lord God fashioned. You notice know, it's still on him. There's nothing else. The first point is what? It's on him. You didn't do nothing. And then he says, I built some. The word fashion just means I built it. If you go on the all throughout the Old Testament, you would find that God was saying, all the way in Amos, he's saying, I took time to build you. I took time to put you together piece by piece. I knew exactly what the man needed and the woman needed in order to function. I didn't make no mistakes. Now, tell me, ladies and fellas, how in the world? I told you, hey, stop trying to change a woman. Then I can ask my women, if God didn't make no mistakes, why are you changing yourself? Hey, why do you think? And guess what the world is good at? He keeps telling, the world keeps telling you, Satan keeps telling you, hey, change yourself. Get this procedure. Go get your things injected. Fix this go to Brazil, get the lift, get it all done. Hey, you need to like this Instagram model and this Instagram model. And don't forget to swipe this way. And your nose is wrong. And your African American features are wrong. And your hair is too kinky. And they keep trying to change what God said I built. And I'm like looking at y'all like, if he said it was good, don't let no man tell you it ain't. But then I'm also going to say this, if he built it, keep it the original. I'm not saying some things that you think I'm saying. (laughs) But I am going to turn into a text that you don't have to go to in 1 Peter 3. 3. He says, ladies, stop adorning yourselves with all these different things. Stop adding to what I made. I feel like you are beautiful. And some man is going to look at you and say, that's my woman. But because a man hasn't said it yet, you think you got to change in order for me to bring you. I don't have to change you to bring you. I created you to bring you. I'm sorry, ladies. Y'all are under way too much pressure. And fellas, y'all, change, y'all think y'all running stuff. And that's why I think sometimes this world has a distorted view of marriage. And I wish that men started to realize that if he brought the woman to you, it's your job to take care of what he built. It's funny, we'll do it for a car, but not for our wife. We'll go outside and wash a car, clean the rims, get out with a toothbrush, but then God brings you His most fashion creation, and you like maybe change that, dog. Like, nah, man, that ain't it. Let's get, let's go work out together, and you always say together. You don't even look that good. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell y'all a clue, man. My wife is home sick, so y'all pray for my boo. But I'm gonna tell you this. I think if men really had a clear view of what they look like, <laughs> they would appreciate what they have. Like, I knew what I looked like. So when Monica came along talking about, I think he cute, I was like, God, you sure? Because <laughs> he is out of my league. So, of course, you're like, Pierre, you want to dine her? Yeah, I'm trying to keep this going. I don't want her to realize what she actually caught up with. You spent too much on your date. I sure did, because I know what this looks like. You should see my old pictures, y'all. Sheesh, my dad had me dressing in khakis in high school. Who likes that? It says he built, he ordered. Watch these words. The word fashion means he ordered, and then he put together. Now, ladies, let me ask you a question. If you just want to ask a simple question, if he did it, name one of your body parts that don't have a usage. Now, men have misused what he built and made it purely sexual. Am I lying? But a body part, and I'm fixing to be, I don't know, mature, and I got to be careful to be mature. But if you ever seen a woman's body change for a baby, things enlarge so the baby can see, things make themselves more visible and darker so the baby can get, I'm trying to be mature. Things can open larger to get things out. I'm not even trying to be graphic. Y'all see how mature I'm trying to handle this. Name one body part that God didn't take time on you. Then look at the fellas. We don't even know what some of these things do. (laughs) (laughs) It was God's activity. It wasn't yours. Man, I wonder if men started to appreciate what God built more. Maybe more women would feel secure. We have less women. I'm not blaming the men for this because some, some women just compare themselves to other women. It's not always the man's fault. Some of y'all just walk around saying, I wish I was her. And fall for that. Sometimes it ain't the men. Men was like, you look good, baby. How many times you told, fellas? How many times, if you single or you married, how many times have you were dating, told your wife, you look good, or your girlfriend? And she was like, nah. <laughs> nah, it's dressed. No, if I, fam, I'm not gonna say it again. <laughs> because you don't even take your man's security word for it. Like you make that dress look good, baby. You look, and some men are actually building you up, but y'all don't receive it because y'all have a negative view of yourself. You don't appreciate what God built either. So it's a two way street, and I'm trying to not to get in trouble. He's the builder, he's a constructor. But I want to make sure you grab it. He built it from something. He made man from what? From dust. Dusty. But he chose to pull the rib. And I'm going to explain the significance. It says, He built and fashioned the woman. But watch these words. He said, Into a what? A what? A woman. Now, you can say I'm in trouble, and you can say I'm going to preach this word, and I'm going to preach it faithfully. He did not fashion another man. He he fashioned a woman because he knew the fit. And we are excusing the ribs that were built to fit, and we have allowed our desires to change it for somebody else. But I'm going to keep moving, but that point is… It's going to be there. It fashioned a woman the rib which he had taken. Now, you got to understand that the rib was a fit. He's saying, I'm pulling from the man so that they will always know they're a fit. I'm not pulling from the dust because the dust and another dust is not what I want. I want the man and the woman to know that they are unified socially, sexually, emotionally. I want them to know that you came from something. And the thing you came from is the thing you want. And now here's the crazy part is that some women are now excusing that same desire that I just said on the other side and not realizing that you came from a man. That's why your desire is supposed to be for a man. So if he pulled you from a man, that's what he told you you belonged to. But now the world is saying, "Nah, you don't really need a man. And I don't need no man. I'm an independent. And don't let your past hurts dictate your future desire. So some of us have walked around and said, my, my, my daddy wasn't there. This person wasn't there. This man broke my heart. And we're saying, I no longer desire a man. You came from a certain spot. And God didn't pick that gender for no reason. I'm sorry, but it's true and the world, all they keep doing is distorting it, and now I have to come up here and defend what God created and made good. And I'm not going to apologize for the fact that he said, you're a fit. But ladies, I'm not going to make you feel bad for desiring a man. Some preachers get up here and they're like, hey, independent women, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm going to hear preachers say, no, it's okay to desire what God created you to desire. And I'm going to tell the men the same thing when we get to the part where he says, that is a woman. It is okay to desire a woman. The question is, in what context? So therefore, if you're saying, "Pierre, I feel lonely, I'm gonna tell you that makes sense because you were built to fit. That's why it hurts so bad when it breaks. I know, I'm sorry. But he says, not only were you a fit, he constructed you and he pulled you, but then he says, he gets a little deeper, he says, I'm using the same material. Now, this is where it gets big. I'm using the same material as man, so no man can sit here and tell you he was built better than you. He pulls from the source to say we equals. So a man can't walk around be like, yeah, you got pulled from the mud. No, no, no. I pulled from the flesh of you, so not only do you know that she's the one that only for you, not only is she the only one that fits you, she's also the one that's going to say we are equally built. Problem is, when we get to this leadership structure, we're going to talk about later before I get in too much trouble, you're going to come to the point where you're going to realize that you're still equal, even if the structure and the social, or sorry, the, the marital structure is what he built as well. So, even if I'm saying you're equal, doesn't mean there's not different roles. So, before I dive deep, ladies, I want to make sure you know this that you are equally built. God took time and fashioning you. And I'm not trying to degrade men to uplift women. They're both beautifully built. However, you were built to fit, and that's okay. Mm. I'm going to put together our peanut butter jelly sandwich again because it's the bread that puts it together. Have you ever had a peanut butter no bread sandwich? And is it even a sandwich if you have no bread? I heard somebody just literally said yes. Whoever said yes, that's soup and that's disgusting. Who, who grabs? Who just digs into the bowl and is like, mm, mm. no? What binds people together is what the sandwich. And God is saying, no, I put you together, but I'm the one that holds you together. Because He says this. Watch these next words. I want you. This is one of the most beautiful parts of the passage had taken, and watched these words, and brought her to the man. Who? What are you thinking right now? I just want to say, if you were to preach this message and you saw God say, and I brought her to the man, I brought her, Who is responsible for the bringing? Remember, I said this is all on him. So he fashioned it together, man was sleep, had no participation, made sure he took his time on the lady, did everything he did for the lady. Then he says, you know what? It's time for me to bring you to Yo man. Now, fellas, what else has been distorted in our world is we have become to the point where we're so desperate, we become, yes, you chase your woman, but not the desperation that causes you to forget that God is the one who brings it. The question you have to ask yourself, are you really an Adam type? And would God even bring His creation to you? Sometimes you single because God don't want to bring nobody to you. Now, Satan's willing to bring anybody to you. Satan will give you every avenue to find your next woman. But it doesn't mean God brought her. And some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about because you're in a relationship or were in a relationship with a non-brought man or non-brought woman. And you knew it the moment you met her. But because she satisfied a need but not a build and not a fit, you took it. I guess what I'm trying to say is that some people are walking around like they Adams, but they just Sam's. They, they, they're not what God would bring. And then the first question you should ask yourself in your singleness, is I even worthy for God to bring his daughter to me? And then I'm going to ask a question to my married men. Are you still the same man he brought his daughter to? Man, like I wish men would start looking in the mirror and start saying, man, am I the, am I the man that God finds worthy, that He brought the fashion rib to me. See, we, we keep acting like that's like, like we deserved it. And I'm saying, that, the bringing is the privilege. Like, He brought you somebody that fit you. Now look at yourself. And be like, mm, am I still the same man my woman fell in love with? Or some of us have gotten so complacent and expectant. Like, we just expect our to, our, our ladies to do stuff. I'm like, but are you still the same man? Now, ladies, I'm going to switch it. Are you a woman that God would bring you to Adam? Or have you changed and disfigured God's creation so much? He's like, I'm not going to even bring you to the man. You've taken over your own creation. You've thought that you can distort what I created. So I'm not bringing it. And the second question for the wives is, are you the same woman God brought? Because some of y'all are like, hmm, to that man message. But God, look at yourself and say, man, would God even bring me? Or have I distorted what God created and distorted what we were made for to the point where God's like, I'm not bringing you. And the reason why some of us are single ladies is because God is looking at you and saying, change back to the original, and then I'll bring you. But you're too busy chasing too. I'm not going to say this public. Well, I'm going to say it publicly. Don't, don't, don't look at your man right now. But I wonder how many women have settled for, because you believe or have to believe that that's Adam. But you know, you brought yourself there. Some of y'all laid down to get Adam. And then wonder why he treats you gnawing like an Eve. And I'm like, uh-uh. Don't change your standards because God brings you to the right man. But if you get complacent and you start to settle, don't blame God. He didn't bring you there, nor did he make you do what you do. When you put the sandwich together, it gets better. You know what else goes the better? Macaroni and cheese. But let me ask you this. Who in their right mind eats macaroni by itself? We got some weird people. <laughs> Time out. So you just get a bowl of naked macaroni. Someone raise their hand. I'm not gonna say who. Brittany. Rochelle. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's fine. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why you're here for the sermon to recognize that. <laughs> <laughs> Fashion them back together, a lot. But mac and cheese goes what? Together. But let me ask you this. If somebody gave you a bowl of naked macaroni, how many of y'all be like, "Mm, yeah, you killed this? Y'all been to Thanksgiving. Y'all know there's certain macaronis you just don't eat. The cheese don't look right, it ain't crusty on the top. Some people, not male or female, using the box still. No, we don't function like that. That's the wrong community, wrong picnic. (laughs) Different potluck. (laughs) that's that no thanks that's that no thanks meal (laughs) when you bring it it tastes good what together and guess who recognized it quick Adam this man said he had taken from the man brought her to the man the man all he was responsible for is to talk did he make her did he shape her now the man enters into the picture and says ooh look at us ooh look at us And I'm not even going to make it lustful because every time a preacher preaches, he's like, oh yeah, sexy. No, that's not what he was saying. Because you know this word brought is the same verb used when he brought the animals to Adam. I just want you to get this picture, that when he brought the animals to tell Adam to name the animals, it's the same word. So now he sees somebody that matches him. Remember, he saw animals walking by, and he was like, man, I'm the only one out here without somebody. And then finally God fashions and brings. He like, nah, we fit. Cause guess what he says next? I love how man ain't dumb. Sometimes we dumb. <laughs> but he picked it up quick. The man just said, This is now bone of my bone. And flesh I flesh. Poetic. He said, girl. My rib look good. God did a good job. But he wasn't saying all the sexual things that men are thinking right now. Guess what he was saying? You now my kin. I seen all the animals have kin. I seen all them partner up. You the only one look like you fit me. So now that I know where you came from, and now that I know that God made you for me, we now family. We going to walk together. So we going to create a unit. And this is the issue with marriages, even in the Christian church, how many divorces do we have going on right now? Because you forgot that when you said, you bone in my bone and flesh in my flesh, when you wrote that poem, when you text that message said you my rib, and you were trying to be a Christian flirtatious, you was on Christian mingle instead of Tinder, and you thought you were going to use the words. When you said it, what you were saying was, what God brought to me We now kin. We now one flesh. We now bone of bone. We family. Ain't nothing going to break us apart because you came from me. So when you get married, singles, I hope you recognize that you are admitting that God brought the man and God brought the woman to you. And if you're going to stand in the altar of God, what he's saying is, I take it serious because you're now telling me that that's the rib I brought you. And if you believe that at the altar, making a promise to me, you're now creating your own unit. So therefore, you should what? Walk together and be together because I told you that was the partner slash helper and the role you're fixing to fill. But because we have created a culture that likes to break and make, we now think divorce is an option the moment you get married. We now have prenups to protect ourselves from giving ourselves away. Isn't that crazy? We now create financial provisions in order to say, I'm not sure you're really the rib. You might be my leg. But rib, I didn't see God do it. It also remains not only is it the kinship formula, it is also a covenant formula. When he says, flesh of my flesh, the kabona bone just means, hey, we can now, but now he, 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 he unifies us some more. He says, we are now in a covenantal loyalty together. It means now we in this thing. Covenant means promise, y'all. But because men and women have broken so many promises, how many of y'all believe in the unity of marriage? How many of y'all believe when you got married that divorce wasn't on the table? How many of y'all really believe thick and thin, no money, money, all the stuff we say at the altar, and we say, I do. How many of us believe that God brought us together, let no man put under, And if you believe it, nothing can break it. But because men and women have now taken the bone and bone and flesh and flesh and joined it to something else, you broke the covenant. And now God's looking at you like, hey, you can't do that. You can't break what I put together, and you can't break what I said flesh is flesh. You are only allowed to keep that unity. I love when the Pharisees came to him and asked him about divorce. And God was like, well, I never wanted—Jesus was like, I never wanted divorce. You wanted divorce because I know what I created. So, therefore, if we recognize the seriousness—now, this is going to hurt a little bit, but bear with me, singles— if we recognize the seriousness of the decision to get married, why don't we take dating serious? And I really mean this. I think dating is so cheap now. I've seen ladies on Instagram talking about this is a free meal. Don't act innocent now. They, like, ooh, who would do that? Some of y'all have tried it. Some of y'all was hungry. But I've also seen men saying, if I pay, I get. See, y'all, the men were like, yeah, oh, <laughs> I feel seen. And I guess my point is what? Why wouldn't you take something serious if you're preparing for something that is non-breakable and covenant-based? Man, if, you, if you're basing your marriage on butterflies, butterflies die. Marriage takes what? Work. But I ain't going to sit here and lie to y'all because every time a pastor says it takes work, it sounds negative. I love being married to Monica. That's fun. I'm hanging out with my best friend every day, and God has blinded her for 17 years. (laughs) (laughs) But this is where we're going to get a little controversial, and I'm going to try my best. And he says, she shall, Uh uh-oh, be called woman. Uh. What does that mean? Because I already know I can feel the feminist tension in the air. Because no woman wants to say a man named me. But I remember I said the brought word mattered, and so does the called word. And I'm going to prove it to you because I got to turn in my Bible. and You know I always try to stay in my pericame, which means stay in my Scripture points, but I'm going to have to try to break it down. The word woman is said that is called wife. This is my wife. She is depicted as a physical counterpart. That's what he's calling her. He's just saying, You are my physical counterpart. You are my loyal servant. Uh, you're my loyalty. You are my covenant. But then it goes a little bit further, and you gotta read it with me. Turn with me to 1 Timothy. Oh man. With fear and intrepidation, I step into a text. Some people are skipping. Verse 13 of chapter 2, For it was Adam who first created, and then Eve. What is he saying? That there was a creation order on purpose, based on the leadership structure that God provided. I know. Remember I said I'm fighting against the distortion, not God's truth. Now, if you go to 1 Corinthians, you say, what do we have? We have a Christian marital order. Yeah? And then you go to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 8. A man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. What is he saying? That when God created the woman and he called, he was saying that this woman that I created, God is saying, you now function in an authoritative leadership role over what I gave you. All right. I know. I can just feel it. But I'm going to say it. The reason why some of us struggle with these verses of male leadership is because males are not leaders no more. And it's going, don't say hallelujah yet. And I also will say that some women marry men that are not leaders and then ask them to be later. And I also will say that some women don't want a man to lead at all and have assumed the role of the leader and only asking a man to do what she says. But that's not what God created because he asked a man, and I'll go all the way to Ephesians 5 to prove it because then he uses the word what? Head, body. What is he saying? That a woman is submissive, be careful with that word in the Greek, that means that she chooses to allow the man to lead, even though she's, what did I say earlier? Equal. So therefore, I guess what I'm trying to say is men should be preparing themselves to be the male role that God has given, even if he is what? Equally made. And a woman should be saying, What man fits the description of what God described in his role? So therefore, I'm not gonna date a man who's not being led by God because I need somebody that's following God so I can follow him. So therefore, quit dating men who have no relationship with the real leader. Because in Ephesians 5, it says, Submit to the man as to the what? The Lord. He said, Hey, you're doing it as to the Lord because hopefully that man is submitting himself to Jesus. Oh, but if you don't have a Christ-like man, no wonder you're struggling with leadership. But stop picking Satan and asking him to be Jesus. You picked him, you knew him. You knew what he wanted the moment he met you. And now all of a sudden you're asking him to value you? See, dating should be selective, but I also will say the dating pool is trash because nobody's asking each other to be anything anymore. We just say be a good fit physically. I can care less about the rest. And then all of a sudden, you have people walking around broken and hurt, and saying, "I don't want roles no more," because the last time I gave myself to a man, he broke it. And men are saying, "I don't want to. I don't want to lead no more," because the last time I tried to lead, she hurt me. The structure is not broken; people are broken. Not only did it relate to their moral and social relation to each other, it related to the fact is that they were saying, hey, we are physically union together. I said that. But on top of that, he's saying, even though we're equal, there is a subordination that takes place. Fellas, can I talk to you? If there's subordination and you take your leadership role serious, why would you lead naked? Like, I'm only going to talk to my fellas real quick. It is easier I'm not saying. For a woman to respect you serving her and serving Jesus, and they will respect your leadership because they see you doing what? Serving Jesus. So they know you won't hurt them. People always say, how do you know Monica won't cheat? How do you know Pierre won't cheat? Because if I love Jesus, I don't want to sin against God. Don't trust the human. Trust the God in me. But if you're not dating the people that are following God in them, of course you question their loyalty. They ain't even loyal to God. If we we had more men saying, I take my relationship with the Lord serious, and we had more women stop looking for the bad guy and trying to fix him and start looking for the man of God and start to live with him, well, I promise you men would start saying, well, it's easier. I'm going to try this because the bad man was winning for years. R still is. Speaking from a place of pain, I was always a good guy. (laughs) God won. Boy, I had khakis on and penny loafers. It wasn't a good look. I know. No preacher wants to preach this because they know they're going to go under social slander for it. But I'm also not going to excuse the Scripture, and it was built beautifully. If you ever met Monica Kennings past what you see on them beautiful hats on a Sunday, and how beautiful she is, and I'm not just saying that, you would know. Monica ain't that one. So how in the world could this geeky guy and this strong woman get along? It's because my God is stronger, and the Holy Spirit is more powerful. Because for a long time I was trying to fashion my wife, make her do something, try her, push her, do this, try that, and sooner or later I just said, you know what, God? She's your daughter. You made her. So, I'm going to stop trying to change her, and I'm going to lead her to you. Because the last time I checked, my 15 devotionals ain't working. (laughs) Let's talk about submissiveness again. (laughs) Man, but it finishes with this. For this reason. See, now there's a reason to it. Remember I said it was on him. Then it's us. Then it's only us. He, he's trying to make sure you understand It's It's on us now because what he said, he said, hey, now you're bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This means a lot because he's fixing to tell you what a Scripture does. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother. Now, remember, this is the narrator talking. This is no longer Adam. Adam didn't look at the woman and say, you know what? I'm not going to obey my parents no more. That's not what the Scripture is saying because he didn't have parents. So, what is he saying? Because of this union, the narrator steps in through God's inspiration and says, hey, because of this union, this union will make a new family. Because they're now what? kin, Blood and blood. But before that, if you go to the Eastern times, how much did it matter that they lived with their parents until they what? Got married. So therefore, what is this Scripture building in that you would have to break to create? Oh, this is important. He said, because this union is so deep and you are now my kin, because you are now my immediate family, I have to leave something. Now, I don't know because America is a very broken, non patriarchal system. I'm going to be honest. So, this scripture may not hit, but if I was preaching this in India or Eastern, it would totally hit different. Why? Because some, watch these words, it says the word leave means to forsake. Do you know how hard it was to do that back then? But it also was harder on the woman because the man would often buy a house next to his what? Parents. Because if you still had to honor them, yet you had to leave them and forsake them. And I wonder how many people are still tied to, listening to, not forsaking thee, people that used to grow you up and are now what? Clinging to the wife that God said was your blood. What I guess I'm trying to say is that they no longer can cling into what God clung you to. Now, some people, that's hard. Some people, that's not. Some people are like, Pierre, I left my family a long time ago. I forsake them before I even got married. I couldn't wait. I got married to get out the house. <laughs> so I said, this sermon, made this part of the sermon, y'all be like, Pierre, skip this. I'm good. But then I reverse it on some people who said, skip this, I'm good. It didn't say forsake and never honor. Some people have to learn how to what? Still honor, yet leave. Because some people have a broken relationship with parents, and you still have to know how to honor them while you create your own. Because God still looks at you and says, I still hold you responsible to honor your parents. Let me tell you why. Your kids need to see you Honor something because they will have to know how to honor you, too. It may not be obedience because your parents may not have been what you wanted, but it may be saying, hey, you know what, I honor you. We, we just came back from a family trip, and the family trip was awesome because they get to see the patriarchal system. They get to see Paul and Pierre honor mom and dad. They also get to see mom and dad, who have lived and cleaved, still pay for a lot of that trip. Thank God, because I don't eat the same as certain people in my family. It wasn't about you. <laughs> Maybe. But I guess what I'm trying to say is what? Hey, they get to see, because you're not creating the structure for yourself. You're creating what? Generational structures. I want Natalia, Carter, and Pierre to honor their papa because that one day they, Lord willing, will still honor me even though I back out. But I'm only backing out of Natalia, Carter, and Pierre's life when somebody steps in. But you know what else was critical about this Scripture? It's supposed to be the man's mom and dad and woman's mom and dad that did what? Brought the women and the men together. Did you know that? See, some of us parents, not just parenting, some of us parents do not get involved in our kids' dating life. Oh, no, bad decision. Man, we all in this. The tyler already knows. Fam, bring him. <laughs> I'm going to act nice and everything. He's going to think I'm his best friend. And meanwhile, I'm evaluating everything. If this man moved left two times, I'm like, why'd you do it? Who's to the left? But watch this. Y'all think that, oh, overbearing. No, 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 It's my job to make sure whoever I give her to is worthy for her to leave with. Because I play the role of a father who's supposed to what? Bring. Ah. Uh, because when she leaves me, I'ma cry. Y'all look at y'all, some of y'all might be at that wedding. Boo hooing. Y'all gonna hear me in the back. <laughs> it's gonna be bad. Some ugly cries. My boys, I'm gonna be like, bro, a good look. I'm just talking. I'm I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm telling you, each time I give them away, is my job. But it's also my job because I want Natalia to be worthy of bringing. I have to raise the daughter of God so she'll know who a man of God is. But if I don't model a man of God, how does she know who to look for? My biggest compliment my daughter ever gave me, she said, I want to marry somebody just like you. That's it. I did my job because that's what I'm supposed to do. I want her to look for something because one day I have to back out of it. Do you know how hard it is to trust somebody you didn't raise? But I better be involved in the beginning because I can't be involved in the end. And I better not get a divorce because I don't want to teach them what a broken union looks like. So, ladies and gentlemen, fight for your marriages. Because you want to show what a rib and a woman that is fashioned out of it look like. Even if your parents never modeled it. Even if you don't know what it looks like, fight for it. Come to church. Go to counseling. Do whatever it takes. Get people involved and stop asking your parents to be involved. There will never be an unbiased view in parenting. Moving on. The last part of the scripture closes with And the man said, Leave and cleave his father. Cleave means to join to, create the union and kinship. Already talked about that. But the moment they get married, his priority and her priorities change. We have too many people with broken priorities, though. You can't do both. No offense to my parents. Today, Monica's sick. And my dad was like, hey, go to my house and take out the trash. That will happen. When? Tomorrow. I'm still going to honor him, but based on what? The priority shift. I got to go home to what? My wife. You' are gonna have to understand. I love this. I'm, I'm speaking so boldly, but so scared at the same time. Time <laughs> out. This is why I'm looking this way. I'm like, <laughs> he right here. I'm like, you' gonna to have to learn today. <laughs> <laughs> And they said cleave, which means join to and stick to. Oh, I love that word. We join now. You know, it's one thing me and my wife never do in an argument, we never leave the house. We never run. I don't even want my kids to hear those screeching tires. You know what we try to do, make her scared that we're going to get in a wreck. (laughs) <laughs> in the belief that she's like, no, don't go, no, not you, you're going to die, no. They haven't done it. I won't even leave the room. Because we're going to be here. we stuck. And I'm good with that stick. Finishes with this. He says, they were naked and unashamed. You know what that word means? That was innocence to them. This is why this sermon makes so much sense. Because the world has distorted it so much. That people now are naked and ashamed. That we have distorted sex so much. And it's not about sex, but watch what I'm saying. We have distorted body images and et cetera that we're now naked and ashamed. But wouldn't it be beautiful if marriages were built where you could be innocent? Where it could be learned experiences with each other that pornography couldn't teach? That they were… Picture, I want you to picture the word literally means like children. So when he saw her, every preacher, for some reason, preacher, made like, ooh, he saw her, and he was like, whoa, man. And they do this weird illustration. I'm not going to do that because when he saw her, he saw God's creation, and he saw it with innocence, and he saw it with role, and he saw it with responsibility. So when he saw her, he was like, wow, he built her to fit me. So it makes me honor the Creator because you created something to fit me. And I see you with so much innocence. It's funny, because you go all the way to Ephesians 5 and watch the correlation. He says, present your wife as a what? Holy and blameless church. Take it back to the original, fam. Your job is to keep the innocence. Ladies, I'm sorry you haven't been protected. I'm sorry your innocence has been broken. Some of y'all have been sexually abused, misused, visualized. Can't go to the gym the same way. Can't walk around the grocery store the same way. I understand that you no longer get to function in that innocence. The prayer is your husband does let you function in that innocence. The prayer is the person you're dating lets you remain in that innocence. Fellas, I wish that we would look at ourselves in innocence. I don't want to get too personal. But me and Mary got me and Monica got married as virgins. There was innocence there. Innocence, discovery, finding, learning, and innocence. God's creation is not messed up. The world is. Y'all know I love coffee. I'm good at it. It's only one thing in this. I'm good. at. I'm not even that good at preaching, but I can make you a cup of coffee. But if you know anything about coffee, is everybody thinks it's what? Say it. Everybody thinks coffee is bitter. Do you know that if you make it at the right temperature and you pour at the same degrees and you don't change the model in which you do it, that it's only supposed to be at 205 degrees. You're not supposed to go above because you'll burn it. And the reason why you can't get any flavor out of coffee and it only tastes like the same thing, no matter what color or flavor the bean is, is because people keep burning it. Oh, that's going to make sense. The only thing I ask people when they drink my coffee is, I don't mind if you add a little creamer. Some people like it lighter. I understand. But don't add sugar. Trust me, you'll find the flavor. But that's exactly what God is telling you about marriage. When I made it, it wasn't bitter it wasn't some negative thing that we've made it. It was actually pure. But if you pour at the right temperature and you treat marriage the way it was in innocence and you keep it where it's supposed to be, it'll come out with flavor. And you can be able to taste the flavor of beans. Some people like this kind of beans. Some people like this kind of bean. He's not caring if you like a light colored woman, a dark colored woman, a dark colored man, a tall man, a short man, even though we don't get no props, all that. I don't care about the flavor of bean, I care that you take care of the marriage. So when you drink the cup, don't add sugar. Stop taking it from man to man, woman to woman. Stop making it lust, stop making it sex. Make it what it's supposed to be. Drink it, trust me, it'll do exactly what it was built to do. We have too many people building and fashioning their own marriages and then telling God, hey, fix it. Go back to the original, pour the cup of coffee, Drink it in its purity and watch it do what it does.
0: We are excited that you've joined us and I pray this message touched your life. We pray that you enjoyed it. We pray that it impacted your heart and we hope that you would subscribe and continue to grow with all the messages that are here to find a sermon outline. So we're glad you enjoyed it. Look forward to you coming back so we grow together. Thank you for blessing us and for blessing your life by allowing us to serve you.